0: living in between god appearing as jesus jesus christ and so the church has celebrated that for years and this morning we're beginning a new series that we're simply calling adventure right because we look at mary's life and when you look at mary's life and for the next four weeks well three weeks after this week for the next three weeks we're going to be looking at the gospel of luke beginning in chapter one this morning we're going to be in this been this morning in verse 26 in luke chapter one we're going to look at the story of mary And we're going to see that she made a decision, a bold and courageous decision to follow God's will and plan for her life. And that as a result of that, right, there was this adventure that she was led on as a result of that. So the Advent brought Mary on an adventure throughout life. And we see that when we choose to place our faith and trust in God, that there is an adventure. And some of you have been there. You know that you've experienced it. For others of you, you haven't been there, and that's okay, right? But we invite you to join the adventure. Hey, let's look at Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to start off this morning. Luke chapter uh, 1, verse uh, 26. All right, so it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel, or the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. let's pray god we give you thanks that this story has been recorded god we value oral history when stories are passed down from person to person and we love sitting in the presence of a good storyteller and hearing them talk stories are engaging stories draw us in good stories help us to feel like we're a part of the narrative And so, God, we're thankful that this story has been recorded. And in fact, it's not just a feeling that we're a part of this story, but that this story is actually being continued right here, right now, in our midst, through us and in us. God, we thank you that you didn't just write a story to be told, but you invited us into your grand story. And so as we study this scripture and as we look at other scriptures, God, I just pray that you will help us to see and discern the ways that you've called us to be a part of the story, not just that has been written, but the story that you are writing. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now we read that scripture and there's a lot of stuff there, right, that may be kind of foreign to you and you might not quite understand. In fact, there's this long history that comes before the Gospel of Luke. In fact, the Bible, in a sense, is split into two parts. You have the Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament ending in Malachi, New Testament beginning in Matthew. And those who this story was originally written to, right, those who first heard this story that it was written for, they were familiar with this story that had come before it from Genesis to Malachi. So there is this story of a God who had chosen a people. And these people became known as the Israelites. And these people for years enjoyed the favor of God. In fact, one of their greatest stories that was ever told was the story of David in the Old Testament. Maybe you've heard about him. He's the one, if you, ever, if you grew up in church or in Sunday school, you heard the story of David and Goliath. David was the little guy that killed this big giant. David was a legend in israelite history right people told stories about david and what god had done through david but they didn't just tell stories about what god did through david but they told stories about what they expected god to do through david's lineage and so from time to time, the people with their maybe sanctified or holy or just maybe way off imagination, right? They began to imagine what might God want to do through David's lineage? What might God do again in our midst as he has already done at one point in time through David? And so let's just look back real quick at a story in the Old Testament in, in 2 Samuel. Second um, Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 7 is where we'll begin in verse 8. And listen to what it says. This is Nathan, and God has sent Nathan to talk to David. And so this is back in the story of David. And and God sent Nathan to talk to him. Look at what it says in verse 8. It says, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from you from before you now i make your name now i will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth i will provide a place for my people israel and i will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time i appointed leaders over my people israel i will also give you rest from your enemies The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So there's this story that had been passed down from generation to generation. And there's this guy, Nathan, that comes to David with word from God that says, you are a part of God's story. And you know that because there was a time that you were tending sheep in the pasture and God has raised you up and placed you from the pasture to a kingship, right? God has done this and you know it. But what God is going to do through your lineage isn't over, is what God was telling David there. But I will establish your throne forever. And so the Israelites, the Jewish people, lived in expectation of what God was going to do in them. Because at the present time, when this was written, when the book of Luke was written, at the present time, when Jesus was born, the Israelites were under the oppression of the Romans, and David's throne had not yet been established forever. And so they longed for that day. They longed for that moment when God would intercede in human history, that God would break open human history and plant himself there and establish his throne and keep his promise. And God chooses to do this through a young teenage girl by the name of Mary. Now, I'll be honest, there are times when I read the scriptures and I'm reading this story and I'm right at the beginning of the story and I'm thinking to myself, it sure doesn't look like God knows what he's doing. Right, I, I know what they say about God, but I'm reading this story and it sure doesn't look like God has any clue what's going on. And, and where did he pull this plan out of, right? That I'm going to pick this teenage girl who's engaged to be married, who's poor and has no future really in that society, in that culture. She would have been overlooked. She would have expected to become not anything other than a homemaker. She would not be expected to be remembered. A thousand years later. Now, when I say homemaker, I know there's some homemakers. I'm not saying that's like something less than what I'm. What? Let me correct myself before I get some emails. What? What I'm saying is that, in that culture, right, Mary would have been her her hope, her history, her future, would have been in the home because that was in a society that allowed for anything else. And here, God shows up. And says, this story that I began with David a long time ago. This story that you've heard since the time you were a child. This longing that you've had in your heart for God to do something. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it through you. Look at the way this happens. I'm, I'm sure that Mary was, her first thought was, you got to be kidding me there's no way because this moment hits mary like a ton of bricks look back at luke chapter one where we started reading i'm going to begin in verse 28 because imagine mary so she's here she's preparing to be married she's engaged to this good guy named joseph she's probably about 13 14 15 somewhere around in there we don't know the exact age and look at what it says it says the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored the lord is with you that's good news right The Lord is with you. You're getting ready to get married. I'm sure you're nervous. You're a little bit young. You probably don't know this guy, Joseph, very well. The marriage might well have been arranged. The Lord is with you. Take comfort. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid every time angels show up in the scriptures the first thing they say is do not be afraid right if you're thinking that angels were something common in bible times it wasn't right people were afraid do not be afraid right there's a real angel standing before you but don't be afraid mary you found favor with god you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him jesus that's more good news right because the worst thing that a woman could have in biblical times was to be barren because there was no future there was no employment there was no meaningful work outside of the home and so her husband would provide for her her husband would take care of her and if her husband died she relied on her sons she relied on her boys and so to say that you will give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Well, that's easy. You gave me the name before he was even born. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Whoa. That's when the story begins to get a little weird. And Mary's ears begin to perk up a little bit. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? Mary ask the angel since i am a virgin she begins to get a little bit curious right because his angel's talking like this is going to happen before she actually gets married so she begins to get a little curious how exactly how is this going to take place if if i may ask a a, a question mr angel please how is this going to happen in my life when i am not yet married and look at what the angel says the angel answered the holy spirit will come on you The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The story gets a little bit fuller. That God's going to do something miraculous through you, right? And and that God is actually going to establish David's throne. That story that you've heard all of your life for so long is now continuing and it's going to flow out of your womb. And you're going to give birth to something special. And that thousands of years later, people will be recalling what God did through Mary. Now, there's two questions that this angel answered that sent Mary on this adventure of faith. The first question that this angel answered is, what's God's estimation of me? What does God think of me? Because Mary was totally certain what other people thought of her, right? That they thought that where she was, where she belonged, she had been a good little girl. She was saving herself for her husband. She had no kids yet. She hadn't moved out of the house. She was still living at home with daddy. That she had done all the things right and that she was a good catch for some special guy. She had got that guy and then God intervenes in this story. And, and her question is, what's, what's God's estimation of me? That God will consider me the right person for this look at what the angel said that's the first question he answered in verse 28 it says the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored and then he repeats it further down uh, when he continues talking to her and tells her that you've found favor in verse 30 you have found favor with god now, the good thing or the important thing for us to see when we begin talking about God's favor, right? When we begin talking about God's grace is that ultimately it wasn't found in anything that Mary had done. Right. Mary wasn't chosen because she was such a good girl or because she was special or because she had done things right. But Mary was chosen simply because God had favor. On her because God chose to have favor on her and so when mary hears the news of her worth to god that opens her ears it opens her mind to the possibility that god might do something incredible through me you see we live in a world where we're constantly hearing what other people think about us And we're constantly being evaluated based upon the world standard and what other people may say about us and the future that other people may give to us. And we're evaluating ourselves, right, and our worth based upon what we've done, how many times we've failed, the mess-ups that we have, you know, racked up. And God comes to marry a woman who wasn't perfect, who had messed up from time to time in her life who had fallen a good number of times, who had disappointed her parents over and over again, a human being. And God comes to Mary and says, you are highly favored by God, that God favors you. You know, we saw a couple of weeks ago as we were in our series on election, that God has chosen us, that God favors us. In fact, God has chosen the world to be people who are part of his plan. We saw that God chooses, what did we say, imperfect people for his perfect plan. And we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verse 9. Um, and it says, in verse 9, it says, you are a chosen people. This is what, uh, what Peter's writing. This is to the church. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light what peter is saying here is that you are favored by god and mary hears the word that god favors her and it opens her up to the possibility that maybe god will do something incredible through me i want you to hear that word this morning that god has chosen to favor you That God thinks highly of you. That God isn't focused on your past, but that God is focused on your future. And not just what he's able to do through you, but what he will do through you if you let him. I love the way that God approaches Mary through this angel and says, you are highly favored. And so the first question that the angel answers is, what's God's estimation of me? The second question that this angel answers is: Is God trustworthy? Right? This angel, not an everyday occurrence, appears to me and begin tell, begins telling me what God thinks about me and the plans that God has for my life. This preacher standing before me and he's telling me that God favors me and that God has plans for my life. Is that message? Is it trustworthy? Can I rely on it? Look at the last thing that the angel says uh, to Mary in Luke chapter 1 in verse uh, uh, 38 or verse 37. For no word from the Lord will fail. So this angel knows exactly what's going on in Mary's head that God's telling me that He's going to do something incredible in my life, something that no one would have expected. It came out of the blue. In fact, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was planning my wedding, getting ready to get married. I had everything in place, right? And God comes and begins to mess this whole thing up. God gets me in a situation, right? And I'm not sure I want to be in this situation. So is this God trustworthy? You know that women in that time, if you look at just, the, just kind of the Old Testament law and the, the legal code of the day, that a woman could face stoning, right? That's similar to like the, today, modern day electric chairs. She could face stoning that you could be executed for committing adultery on your uh, husband. Um, for cheating on your fiance, right? And so here God comes and says, You're going to get pregnant, and, and you're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to explain this to your father and your fiance. This is the way it's going to be. You're going to have to sit down and have that conversation with them, right? And have you ever had one of those conversations? where the lead up to the conversation was worse than the conversation actually was itself, right? Your palms are sweating, you're nervous, you're trying to think of the right time, right? you're, You're trying to pick the right moment to have that conversation. Well, this is the kind of conversation that Mary had to have. And before she had it, she needed to know whether God was trustworthy. And in verse 37, it says, for no word from God will fail. And Mary hears that and i hope you hear it as well mary hears that and in verse 38 she says i'm the lord's servant mary answered may your word to me be fulfilled see these are two important questions that we must ask ourselves because one opens us up to the plans and the purpose that god has for our lives the second helps us to trust god when god gets us in a situation because if we follow god if we take the adventure of faith without a doubt we'll find ourselves in an inconvenient uncomfortable situation where we just want to be out and the reality is is whatever situation you find yourself in as a result of your faith god can see you through it whatever situation that your faith leads you to god will see you through and so mary had to make a decision Right there, she had to make a decision whether she would trust God's plan and purpose for her life. That she would trust the possibility of stoning and believe that God would get her through it. Whether she would trust the fear of the way people would look at her because now she's pregnant and she was engaged to be married to Joseph. And Joseph was a good guy and she didn't want to let him or his family down. And she had to explain this from time and time and time again. And she knew that that was going to be her future for the next however long she was going to have to tell this story. And have people laugh at her and say, yeah, God did it. God got you pregnant. And nobody was going to believe it. But she had to make a decision to trust God into that situation. Because she believed that whatever situation God got her into, that God would see her through and then ultimately god would get the glory and his name would be praised as a result of it and so she places her trust in god and then in verse 46 she begins to sing a song mary said my soul glorifies the lord my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has been mindful of my humble state or of the humble state of his servant from now on all generations will call me blessed For the mighty one has done great things for me. It adds new significance to that song that we sang. My soul, my soul glorifies, magnifies the Lord. Because as we make the decision to follow Christ, as we go through this adventure that faith might lead us on, as we enter difficult situations that faith leads us on, that as we do that, We are writing this story. And that story is a record of God's faithfulness. And we're able to look back and we say, there was this situation that I found myself in as a result of my faith. It was difficult and uncomfortable. But God saw me through. And my faith is now stronger. Not just because I read Mary's story. but because from day to day, I'm reading my own story. You know, I said earlier that when Mary heard this news, the first thing that had to come to her mind is, you got to be kidding me. You know, I've learned, and this this isn't gospel, this isn't fact for everyone, but I've learned at least in my life that the times that I feel that God is calling me to do something and I say, you got to be kidding me, That's probably what God is actually calling me to. Now, there's a whole process, right? I'm praying about it. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm talking about it with friends, right? I'm using the community that's around me. I'm using the tools that have been given to me, scripture and prayer, right? I'm, I'm utilizing that stuff. But I've learned that in my life, when my first thought is, you got to be kidding me, God, because that is an uncomfortable place, or that's something that I don't want to do, or that people are going to look at me and laugh at me for doing it, or that's going to be pretty embarrassing, or that's a situation that I don't want to find myself in, Whenever that's my first thought there's a good chance that that's what god is actually calling me to do and so mary thought you got to be kidding me and i wish there was a line from the angel that said no i'm not (laughs) but god is with you you see the reality is that there's an adventure of faith that when we make a decision to follow god that we cannot see the future and in reality, there are things that want to, want, will make us want to stay on the fence, straddle the fence so that we can walk both sides. But God is calling us to either fully trust him or completely walk away. There's this quote by C.S. Lewis. I think I wrote it down right in the front of my Bible. He says, if Christianity, uh, Christianity if false is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance, it only the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. It's what we give our life for. If false, it is of no importance. And it cannot be in the middle. So Mary asked these questions... And when she found out that it was true, she was willing to give her life for it. She was willing to give up all for the plan and purpose that God had for her life. You see, as I begin reading these Bible stories, I, I must be honest that my first thought is, it sure doesn't look like God knows what he's doing. But as I continue reading, it becomes clear that God knows exactly what he's doing. And God has a plan that has nothing to do, and it's nothing like my plans. We see here at the beginning of the Gospels, the beginning of the New Testament, that God trusted the hopes of a nation to the reproductive organs of a 16-year-old, or 15-year-old, a teenage girl. Right? You have these people who had been God's people and they had this long history of having God's favor and experiencing it and living in it. And now, in fact, if you look in between the two testaments, between Malachi and Matthew, God had been silent for 400 years. And these were people that were used to hearing from God, being led by God, and now they felt alone. And they had hope that God would speak again. They had hope that God would do something miraculous again. They had hoped that God would lead them into the future. And God chose Mary. You know, there's times in my life that I felt like God was silent. I felt like I was in that period that the Israelites were in, and God had abandoned me. And I began to question God's presence. Where where are you, God, in the midst of this? Where are you, God, in this situation? And I would pray that prayer over and over again. And I've prayed a prayer for relief. And there's been times that I didn't find it even in the midst of the prayer. And I came to the conclusion that if God's being, if God's nature is dependent upon how I feel in the midst of whatever situation that I'm going through, that that God isn't worth putting my faith in anyway. And I began to ask myself, do I trust God because of who he is? Or do I trust God because of what he's done? You see, these people were in this long span of years. And in the midst of that, they had to trust God, not because of what he was doing. But because of who he was and who he is. And they placed their trust and hope in him. And in a time when they least expected it, through a person that they least expected it, in a moment where they desperately needed it, God intervened. God stepped in. But in that in-between time, there was this challenge to trust God. I want to challenge you this morning, that maybe you're in one of those seasons where your faith began strong. And you had this strong faith and trust and hope in God. And you were excited about what you felt like God was doing in your life. And you were excited and you were reading the Bible and you were at church every Sunday. And you felt good about your faith. But then you went into this dry spell. Maybe it's a a dark night of the soul where things don't seem to be going right. And you don't see the answers they don't seem to be immediately before you and you want to give up trust in god i've been there we've been there and we'll be there again but the challenge of the scriptures is to trust god in the midst of that to place our hope in him not based upon what he's doing or what he's done or what we can see but placing our trust in him because of who he is. Because Christianity, if true, is of infinite importance. If it's false, we may as well walk away. There's no moderator in between. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you are God and that you le- use life situations and circumstances to convince us of our desperate need for you. God, some of us haven't heard that, and we realize that that's, that's okay. We've all been there. God, some of us haven't placed our trust in you, and we know that that's okay. Okay. Because we're in a community of people who have been there. We've all struggled at some point, to some degree, to trust you. Even when we couldn't see our way forward. I'm glad that the life of faith, the life of following Christ begins with trust. Because it requires us to trust all the way along the way. God, I pray that this will be a community where we can come safely into a place of trusting you and believing in you. That we'll be prepared to walk with you all the way trusting you. God, we love this story of Mary We'll be looking at it over the next three weeks. God, I pray that you will use it to guide our lives and help us to trust you more. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.